We have someone special with us who I know you recognize, but he's not a televangelist that just appears on our screens. He's actually a real person. You all know Dan Meyer, our senior pastor at Christ Church. Dan, welcome. Thanks, brother. Great to be here with everybody. I was just thinking as I was uh, watching this place in motion this morning of an experience that I have had recently as a dad. Amy and I have got three uh, mostly grown boys in their 20s, and um, I'm at the stage, and maybe some of you know this from your own personal experience as parents, of feeling like there's a reversal that's taken place, meaning they're now the teachers. I look at them, I watch the way they move through life, handle situations, the things that come out of their mouth, and I find myself in awe of my own children. And I, and I wonder how in the world did they be, with the parents like this, did they become these kinds of people? And um, I was going through the hallways here today and I was being greeted by people so warmly and lovingly. I was sitting in the worship service and just watching the heart of this room turning to God. I was hearing the beauty and the power of that amazing band leading us in worship. I was seeing Eric standing up here expressing the grace and the truth of God in a wonderful way. And I thought, once upon a time, this was just a child. This church, this congregation, was just an outgrowth of, of the community of Oakbrook. And I thought, and now you're teaching us. And that really is true. I mean, I, I think in ways that, um, that you don't get a chance to see um, back at the Oakbrook campus, we're paying really close attention to the way you are doing your faith in, in this community. Uh, the food truck ministry that you're doing on Wednesdays, it's building relationships with the neighborhood, um, the, uh, the incredible way that um, your, your prayerfulness, and we saw the exercise of that again today, is, is just a, a central part of who, who you are as a community. Uh, the way you love Jesus and the way you love people is, is informing uh, leadership back at Oak Brook and making us want to be like our kids. Does that make any sense to you? Um, so it's a joy to see you today. Thank you for, thank you for letting me be uh, here in, in the circle. You had a chance to meet Rob Castens last week, I understand. Mm -hmm. Rob's with us again this morning. Rob, give a wave there, brother. Rob is, is our exec, new executive pastor, which, which means that, that he's taking some of the weight off of my shoulders so that I can, uh, I can come over here more often. I can uh, get involved in a number of ministries that, I, that are getting short, short shrift right now. And, um, and I'm very pleased to have the chance to once again be sitting in this seat and alongside my dear brother. Yeah. And what's great, Rob, if you attend one more week in a row, your offering will automatically be allocated to the Butterfield campus. So that thrills us <laughs> as well. So we hope to see you next week, brother. <laughs> That's the voice of maturity right there because uh, my kids tried to teach me things, especially when they were young. Right, And I usually had one that was doing things they shouldn't have and another that I was trying to get to do anything, getting really frustrated and God tapping me on the shoulder saying, do you see yourself in these children? And there was a moment there that I could have been holy, but I was like this, Lord, you can deal with me later. Right now, I got to discipline these two kids. That's my <coughs> parenting or lack thereof. Um, today, we're going to talk about the theme of calling. And we just kind of titled this morning, When God Calls, because we've all used that language. <clears throat> There's maybe even been times in your life where you feel God has tapped your shoulder, but 
uh, more often than not, we find this theme of calling something that's a bit confusing. Or we're, we use the term, we talk about it, but we don't exactly always know maybe even what we're talking about or all the nuances of what we mean. And Dan and I were talking last week or maybe the week before, and uh, Dan had kind of three ways to understand call that uh, I think you would share with us. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. really good for me. Yeah, I, well. I will do that. I will just set it in a context in that, you know, I, I think uh, we as a congregation right now are in a season where we're trying to listen for God's voice in a fresh way. And uh, we've been doing that over the last year as we've been going through a strategic planning process within our leadership team. And uh, come the second weekend of September, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a message with the whole church that describes what, what I'm sensing God calling us to in the season to come. Uh, it's not that we don't know that, that, that we're supposed to be about the basics of of loving him and loving one another, but what specifically, how, how do we want to enflesh that in the season ahead? And uh, some thoughts have been uh, coming to the surface for, for, for a lot of us, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you uh, about that on the weekend after uh, Labor Day. But to Eric, to your question, you know, I thought, thought a lot about the subject of calling and what the Bible has to say about that. Um, uh, one philosopher once observed that he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. That when you know your purpose, when you, when you know that, um, that you're called in this direction, um, it, it, it can give you the courage and the clarity that you need to bear all of the undulating circumstances of life. Um, when I look at the, um, at the biblical storyline, um, there are a couple of, of images of calling that are particularly uh, luminous for me. Um, I'm very fond of, of the story uh, of the calling of the first disciples that we find uh, in the Gospels. And I want to just read a, a section of that to you because I think uh, it, it pictures for us um, something about call that's important to pay attention to. And I'm going to read from Mark chapter 3. Uh, at verse uh, 13 and, and following. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, the text says. I want us to just sit with that for just a moment. Jesus calls people first and foremost that they might be with him. Uh, I think that if that when I when I reflect on the on the meaning of call, I I tend to think of it as having uh, three dimensions. They're almost like the three lenses in in a, in a microscope, which when they get lined up one over the other, and you look through, you get tremendous clarity or the heat of the light can be focused like through magnifying glasses stacked one on top of each other to a tremendous intensity. And the first thing that I hear in this particular te text is this idea that, that, our, that, um, that God gives us a communion call. Uh, if you never ever have to doubt what your calling is because you know that the first part of it, at least for you, is that you're called into communion with him. Jesus wants you to be with him, to do life with him. Mm 
mm-hmm. uh, to, to draw your strength, your vision, your power uh, out of the relationship that you have with him. And so before Jesus ever asked the disciples to do a single thing, he, he just articulates that his greatest desire is to be with them. He wants them, the text says. He wanted them to be with him. And I believe that for all of us that, that God has that heart too. God also wants uh, communion with us. Then the text goes on and says, and that he might send them out to preach and to, have, or to drive out demons, that he might send them out to bring good news and to push back evil. That's basically the, the call. And I call that dimension of the call, it's a second lens, it's the kingdom call. I think God gives to every single one of us a call to be servants of his kingdom. And, and the more time we spend with him in communion, the clearer we get about his, his, his press to us, his, his invitation to us to go out and serve the cause of his kingdom. Uh, every one of us has an opportunity every single day in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our family relationships to share good news, to, to share the hope that we have within us because of Jesus, to talk about God's work in our life, our, um, our sense of, his, of how he's changing us, what he's teaching us. And every one of us has an opportunity to, to, to push back the press of evil, uh, the, the corruption or the, or the degradation or the, the disrespect or whatever it may be um, that we may see in our lives. Uh, we have this communion call and then we have this kingdom call. The third of the lenses, the Bible doesn't su- uh, des- describe or supply for us in, in Mark chapter three, but we see it lots of other places in the Bible. The third of those lenses I call the personal call. And the personal call, it feels to me, is, is, um, it has to do with the way God has particularly wired us, mm-hmm. uh, particularly given, given us particular passions, particular gifts, a certain kind of temperament, um, a, a concern that he raises up in us for special needs or opportunities. <laughs> And, um, and that, too, is, is, is one of the most precious experiences we ever have of God as we begin to realize that he, is, he has given us a personal sense of calling that's a little like our, a fingerprint. Nobody has exactly that kind of a personal call. But, but, but we know it's there when we find our hearts <laughs> surging towards something. Mm-hmm. When, when, when we think, they wouldn't even have to pay me to do this. I would just get up and do this. Uh, all the time. And, and a personal call can't be compared to somebody else's call. In fact, at one point, uh, after the resurrection, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter in John chapter 20 or 21, John 21, I think it is, and, and Peter starts asking, you know, what's your plan for, uh, for John? What's your plan for John, Jesus? And, and you may remember uh, the response Jesus gives is, um, what is that to you? You must follow me. Yep. You, know, you must answer the personal call I've given you. Don't worry about, about John's uh, call. So, so I, think about, I think about calling in those ways. I, I guess I've experienced it in my own journey. Uh, I've seen those things. I, if I were to go back in my own story, and I want you to think about this because I want to ask you the same question in a moment. Um, where have I experienced those three levels of call in, in my past? <clears throat> 
Um, I was 18 years old when I felt the communion call. I was an atheist kid. I was at a young life camp that my father had forced me to go to in North Carolina. Um, and I was hearing the story of Jesus for the first time in a way that made sense to me. And I was, I was sensing that there was a presence around me that was calling me to his heart. And it turned the course of my life <clears throat> that, that week and set me on a, on a spiritual journey to try and know who this Jesus really was. Uh, that was the communion call for me. First time I experienced it. I think I experienced the kingdom call for the first time when I got out of college. I, I, I wound up serving in a church in Belfast, Northern Ireland for a couple of years in the inner city uh, in a tremendously troubled time in that city and that uh, country. And I got alongside a group of Christians that had a passion to reach their community and be salt and light and blessing in the midst of the, of the turmoil and the pain and the, and the anger of that, of that city. And, and walking alongside those Christians and serving with them to share good news, to push back evil, I felt <clears throat> so alive and I thought, I think I'm supposed to go and do this. And that's when the personal call began to kick in for me because um, it was then that, um, you know, I began to evaluate my life and the way God had wired me. And I had always figured I was going to be, uh, I, I thought, you know, I, 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 I like public speaking, I, I like organizing people, I like helping to create movements. I, I always assumed that I would do that by, by going into politics, which was our family business, more or less. And then the thought occurred to me, all of those same gifts, you could connect those dots differently, and maybe pastoral ministry was what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And I began to feel this in increasing sense of clarity that, I, that God wanted me to, to serve his church and to, and to build up other other followers of Jesus. So that, that's, that's a long-winded way of answering your question, brother, but um, yep. tell, me, tell, tell us uh, how, how that you've experienced call in your life in the past. Yeah, well, starting at that first level of communion, I was 12. We had grown, I had grown up in a church. My mom was the secretary, and even though I tell her you can't, you don't, we don't use that word anymore, she's like, I was the secretary, you know, like. <laughs> and so we were always at the church, but I was at a youth conference when I was 12. They gave an invitation at the end, and there was like a fire in me, and I so wanted to go up front, right, and profess my own faith to receive Christ in a personal way, but I didn't. But I laid in bed that night when we got back home, and I just prayed. I said, God, I know all about you, right? As a 12-year-old and in infinite wisdom and knowledge, God, I know all about you, but I don't know you the way these people were talking about, and I want to. And I remember later that night, uh, I was actually, I heard the sound of a party, like cheering, and I woke up, right? And I, I honestly feel it was heaven celebrating, right? The angels rejoicing, that someone else, right, has had gone all in. And uh, that began a journey. My first big purchase with my own allowance money was a study Bible, uh, which maybe God was already charting out a course <clears throat> at that time. Um, and that continued uh, to grow. 
I remember we got married. Um, uh, We were working in downtown Pittsburgh. Uh, We had two young careers um, that were honestly like on the fast track. We were making more money than our parents ever had with more opportunities rapidly coming. And I had this gnawing sense. I just, I sensed athletes in action. This ministry that I was involved with when I was playing professional baseball, really as a receiver, you know, they led baseball chapels and Bible studies and I always thought someday, but now I'm years out of baseball, but uh, athletes in action kept coming into my mind. Um, and so I, I told Suanna, you know, we both got home from work. I said, I think God is calling us on staff with AIA. She goes, that's so weird. I was going to tell you the same thing when I got home. And I hadn't shared this with her. And so I make a phone call. Their two biggest needs were in the baseball ministry and in communications. My wife has a communications and was working with a PR firm downtown. And they were like, who are you? And I said, we're the next couple coming on staff and we're going to meet both those needs. And we transitioned out of career and a lot of people didn't get it right because it wasn't their call it was our call they're like you want to throw away these careers to ask people for money and I'm like well I hope you got more out of the presentation than that but basically yes 100 a month 200 a month like what would you like to do to join our support team and so uh, that was the and it was at that point obeying that call that Suanne and I said we want to live our lives with open hands and when God says go we go and when he says stay we stay and we've tried to always live that way Athletes in Action took me to Europe for several summers. Uh, We got to put together 125 college baseball players from schools all over the country, sending them out with different teams, but I traveled with um, the team that went to Europe, and we had amazing ministry exposure and opportunities, even though baseball's not strategic in any way in Europe. And the local churches there, we had hundreds and hundreds of people saying, I want to know more about a relationship with Mm. Jesus. I want to connect with the church. The churches were vastly uninterested. Uh, And that made me extremely angry. This holy discontent started to build because I knew the power where you had healthy local churches and God started to shift my heart at that time. And it was a, a year after that, the church we were attending, we were in Ohio at this time, said, would you consider leaving staff with AIA and coming on staff with us to help us redesign discipleship and how we think about spiritual growth? And I said, no, like I'm traveling the world, like our support's good. We're discipling all of these young men and sending them back as leaders to their campus. I was like, no, but I'll pray about it. It's the Christian thing to do. But it was another one of those turns that God said, no, it's now time to go this way. And it was a few years into that journey when another stirring, right? And oftentimes I feel it comes Mm -hmm. in stirrings um, uh, that for whatever reason, uh, discipleship through community, I didn't want to play the music that other people were writing. I actually wanted to write the music that others would play. And I had no idea what I was doing. And then a call from the executive pastor, Greg Ogden, at that time from Christ Church, yeah. said, hey, we got your name from so-and-so. Uh, this is who we are. This is what we're looking to do. Uh, and we think maybe you would be a match. And I was like, Christ Church? I was like, Chicago? I'm like, God, maybe for the South and the West, like surely he would not be calling me to Chicago. Uh, and, uh, but he was. And we couldn't deny it. It was in a church tradition, even different than what I had come from. Um, but then I watched God actually fulfill that call as I had opportunity to consult and mentor churches and partner with 
uh, other organizations and, you know, by whatever means God, you know, used me to actually help. I helped design some of the national small group conferences that happened around the country and I was like, whoa, God's used me to write the music that other people play. So those have been some yeah. of the instances where yeah. it's just yeah. God's hand. Yeah, he hadn't done a bad job with <clears throat> Eric's gifts in this setting either, has he? No, <laughs> not at all. So. And I don't think I've ever told you, told you this particular story, but um, when, when we were, this is ni- 1996, summer of 1996, um, I know some of you weren't even born then, but um, my wife and I were, uh, were being um, invited into a conversation with this church in Chicago called Christ Church of, of Oakbrook. And uh, we were living uh, in a community called Rancho Santa Fe, which is um, in North County, San Diego. And the easiest way I can describe Rancho Santa Fe is to say, it's America's Monaco. Okay? The Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf lived across the street. Uh, Michael Jordan had a house there. Bill Gates has a house there. Um, it, is, it is a extraordinary community of comfort Um, and uh, my wife Amy who's frequently God's prophetic voice in my ear or God's two by four across the bridge of my nose Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Ann works that way for you sometimes um, said I think we have to talk to these people (laughs) and I said why would we do that look where we are this is so good and she said, because if God's call is in this and we don't obey the call, there could be trouble. <laughs> and I asked her what she meant and, and she said, um, maybe there could be trouble for our church here in Rancho Santa Fe if you're disobedient to the call. I think she was thinking of the Jonah story Remember how Jonah had the call and he wasn't responsive to the call and he wound up in the way. God had to send a whale to get Jonah's attention. And, and it was that word that, that led us to, to move forward with the conversation that ultimately brought us to this incredible land of blessing. We had no good how great Chicago would be. You know, and all the relationships and all the good fruit that God would bring forth from, from our life and the ministry. So I think one of the other things, things that it, it's important to think about around the subject of call is that if we don't follow the calling, um, there, it doesn't mean God's gonna give up on us. It doesn't mean God is, isn't gonna still do gracious things with us as he did with Jonah. Um, but the fullness of all the good that he wants to, be bring, to bring uh, in, is, is sometimes <clears throat> delayed. Eric, you and I entered into a conversation more than a year ago now. I remember it. We were sitting in your office. Mm-hmm. The coffee was good. Can't wait to see that back here again. Um, and you described a sense of stirring in your heart to me at that time. Yep. And I'd love it if you would say more about that to, to this family uh, today. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, as many of you know, I love the outdoors, especially lakes and streams with a fly rod in my hand. Um, But I also am passionate about discipleship, soul care, 
uh, coming alongside of leaders and pastors and helping influencers thrive, right? So that mix had given me opportunities really over the last two decades to do a variety of things with those loves. I, I was able to work with veterans, young men getting out of Iraq and Afghanistan and taking them into the Alaskan wilderness to help unwind their soul and just love them and receive them as they healed <coughs> through fly fishing. Uh, I helped Young Life. Frontier Ranch was their first camp, uh, probably perhaps their most influential camp ever, um, but I got to help bring people with capacity together to have fly fishing adventures to, uh, for the goodness of that camp, to help raise some funds to rebuild and continue the powerful ministry that that camp has in the lives of students from all, over, all around the country. Um, and most recently, I, I founded a little kind of ministry called Altar Fly Fishing that has, and some of you have been a part of trips, we've, we've done this together where we just read the waters of our soul, open ourselves to God, have an amazing fishing adventure along the way, but with the hope of when we leave after the end of a few days, uh, we would seek some lasting change over the next three, six months, or year <coughs> to come. Um, over the years, God has deepened and uh, worked on my heart in that call, and it, as I came into January, the beginning of this year, Dan and I met again, and I and I said, Dan, I have this, God is tapping me on the shoulder saying, Eric, you're getting dangerously close to being unfaithful to the next call I'm giving you in your life. Uh, I know your heartstrings, I know the love you have for this church, but I'm calling you to go and you're resisting me or trying to play it safe. And so I argued. <laughs> it's like, sure, surely I'm not doing that, Lord. And, uh, but uh, that just progressed, and Dan and I chatted, and he's had great wisdom and asked thoughtful questions and just a lot of grace. Thank you in those conversations. Um, but we came back to that value when God says go, when he calls, that we are going to be obedient. And so as Dan and I connected, um, at the end of this year, uh, I will transition off of staff formally with Christ Church, both with the larger church and as campus pastor, uh, to fully live into this next season of ministry with altar fly fishing, which still has that passion and call for the kingdom with the church as we come alongside pastors and rewriting the story of what we're seeing and happening in pastors' lives. We're going to do it with leaders, men and women, and again, some of you have experienced this um, but it is exciting, and I can tell you it's, it's extremely scary. As every one of these transitions that Dan and I have shared, when God is in it, it throws you a little off kilter. Um, uh, and I'll just say it's a lot easier to preach about faith and stepping out of the boat than it is to actually be the one that has to do it. But that's where we find ourselves, and, and we just feel the only answer we can give is, yes, Lord, we'll go. Well, I don't want to um, miss the moment to, to just say how hard that news is for this room. And because I know when you first said to me what you were saying, and it was clear that God was not letting up on you in this, um, it just kicked me into a place of, of grief and fear, frankly. Um, and, um, and I can only think that for those who have been journeying with you and had the benefit of your incredible heart 
and, and your love in this place, that, that that's the reaction that's going on in, in, in the room here today. Um, well, and I feel that yeah. as well. You know, you used the word heart, and, um, you know, God has knit us together. That's what he does in community, and my heart is connected to you. As I expressed with Dan, like, I may have pursued this sooner, uh, but because it was my heart and love of you. And as I look back, even on, it's crazy to think, creeping up on three decades of ministry, I think I'm gonna, the greatest gift I've been given is the gift of you and your relationships and what we've done over these last years, how God has woven us together at the Esplanade, Downers Grove, Butterfield, and whatever the next campus <laughs> is all out of the same thing. Yeah, but um, yeah. but uh, my heart is heavy because of you. I love you. Uh, and um, I know God has more for us. It just may look a little different. Yeah. I heard that from the background, and we love you. Yeah, should we just express yeah. that? I've, um, I remember reading a, um, a commentary by uh, the great reformer John Calvin, who talked about the nature of a call. And, and Calvin says that you know when it's a call when... When, when four buoys line up. It's like you're sailing, and when you see these channel cans all lining up, you go, oh, that's, that's the, the way I'm meant to go. And Calvin said that, that one of them is the inner witness of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the presence of, of, of gifts, the practical gifts needed to do the thing. The third was um, circumstances arranging themselves in a way that it's possible to do. And the fourth buoy was the affirmation of the voice of the church. And when those things are lining up, you know you're on course. I have seen the inner stirring of the spirit. I can see the incredible gifting that you, that you have. Um, talk about the practical circumstances. How are you seeing the circumstances from your vantage point lining up for you to pursue that call? Yeah, well, I think, um, one, it's what God has grown over these last few years. Um, and almost him saying, what more do I need to show you uh, as God has supplied everything that's been needed for the organization of Alter, the people that would attend and come alongside that, the gifts that have been brought. But, you know, I, I think in the season of life I am, and my deep passion for the kingdom and the church, uh, somebody, and there, we need lots of somebodies, to help write different kinds of stories in people's lives. And, and I think one of the biggest things we'll key in on is with pastors, doing pastor retreats, um, through the fly fishing adventures. But that's, it's never about the retreat. is only the beginning. The ministry is what happens the next four to six months after that. Um, and we have a story that's going like this with pastors, burnout. 80% uh, uh, of the pastors that I've had on trips over the last three years have said, I'm in moderate to severe burnout. Uh, and almost half of those are contemplating leaving ministry. And you would look at them and say, wow, they're doing pretty well. No, they're not. Mm. And it's the same way with leaders. 
um, you know, in different capacities. They're just imploding, they're struggling, their homes are a wreck. You know, and then you just come down to with men and women, just how are they doing? Um, stress and anxiety, like uh, creation has a way of unwinding the soul. And so we allow mm. God to do his work. We bring some intentionality to that and open people up to say, just maybe there's a different story that can be written. <clears throat> and I think that's where some of those gifts of, I love creating environments like yeah. that. And it's that follow-up piece that I uh, enjoy. And so I'm thankful that God has aligned those gifts. Um, yeah. But it's also, I would say, I, I wonder what Peter felt like, not when he took the first step out of the boat, but when he actually had both, <laughs> had feet, both feet out. Right? Yeah. And I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> Literally, the, you're going yeah. into the water. Yeah. That's where the fish are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, um, I want to just sit with just the final piece of that calling, which is the voice of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm not the church, um, but I'm a voice, uh, I guess, of somebody from your church who loves you and believes in you, and I think God is in this with you. Uh, I have, I, as he knows, I've tried to talk him out of it uh, earlier in this process, um, but I, I can feel God in this with you. And, and there's going to, I pray, come a day when this incredible family also with, with one voice says, go with our, with our blessing. I don't expect that today. I think we have to feel this first. Some may want to say go. <laughs> no, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt They're it. like, thank goodness. We knew we could outlast yeah. it. So you're, you're not leaving Christ Church, right? I mean, right. You, you and Sue Ann are still, <clears throat> Sue Ann's got a thriving ministry with us. She's on our staff too. She's, um, but uh, you will be out of town a lot more uh, in, in, in days to come. Uh, you'll be a, one of the resident pastors on, 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 in our church's life, so there will be opportunity uh, to call upon Eric uh, and leverage his gifts. I think uh, more than a few of us will find ourselves in waiters in a stream with him at some point, uh, chances are. And all of this doesn't really kind of finalize until, or at least move to the next stage until um, the end, end of this year. So uh, we've we're giving plenty of advance notice to everybody to allow us time to think about how we, we transition to the next season. Um, I, um, I was, um, I've been amazed to watch how that church in San Diego has thrived without me. <laughs> God knew what he was doing uh, in, even in, in, that, in, in, that, in that move. Um, but what I will say to all of you is that we're, we're now in a process where we are entering into very, very serious conversations with somebody that could, could potentially succeed Eric months from now. And uh, we're not far enough along in that process for, for me to, uh, to go into a lot of detail there. Uh, simply to say that it's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's an exceptional young leader. Uh, it is someone uh, with... Uh, team-building uh, experience, theological training, a, and most importantly, a wonderful heart. Yep. Eric and I both connected with this person kind of separately and found and, and had a similar response to, 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 to him. And we're in serious conversations now about whether this is a call, whether this is really what, what, what God has for, for, for us. And when we're further along in that process and, and we feel like there's 
uh, a real confirmation of that, then we will obviously circle back. Once that individual is, um, is appointed, uh, we'll enter into a season where uh, he will come alongside you and the team here and this congregation and for a period of several months just be in the trenches together. And uh, there'll be a, a lot of mentoring that, that you'll do. Uh, there'll be a lot of team building. Uh, this is a, such a fantastic uh, team of staff and of lay leaders here. And that person who needs to go to school on that and, and, and come to know and love and appreciate the giftedness of the, of the team and, and they of him. Um, and, uh, and when the time is right, there'll be a, an official uh, baton pass. Um, anything else that you think about as you even imagine the next couple of months that maybe I'm not even getting around to? No, I mean, I just think one of the drivers in my life is this kingdom call, and we are in it together. You know, we talk about all the time that we are the church, right? And, and while it's a transition, we continue to be the church and what God is doing. Like, we are just at the beginning chapters of what has been a, a great story. It's going to be an amazing story, and you see it building through VBS and the food trucks. Um, God's hand is on this congregation uh, and I have every confidence that that story, that the chapters to come are going to be even better than the ones we have but I think we're thankful and I think we savor the chapters we have and we're greatly excited for what's, what's to come um, but I'm glad we're not leaving because <laughs> I have too many good relationships here that I want to continue with and uh, like Dan said, there's, there's more opportunities our, our, our paths will continue to cross uh, in different ways but um, I'm really encouraged. When God calls, it's never just the person. God is in the whole call, yeah. which means he's in part of, part of this call also involves you and the church and what he's doing with the next season as well. And uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, and he sees, he sees on the other side of this <laughs> the, 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 the meadows that lie out there and, and, and the streams. Uh, and, and he already has a plan for good that we, we just haven't been let in on yet. I think it's also just important to say that we, we want to make sure that even early on we are answering your questions, and we're not going to do that today because we want to make sure you get home for lunch, but um, we are going to hold a, a, a community uh, conversation this Wednesday night uh, right here after the food trucks, about 7 o'clock or so, Yeah, and this will be a chance for uh, you to come if you've got questions. There are people who are part of our congregation that would normally be with us or out of town this weekend or, or maybe they're just encountering this online and they would like to have an opportunity to inquire further. Uh, so there'll be a, a chance for open conversation about uh, next stages um, this Wednesday night at, at seven o'clock right here. So we hope many of you will come and let others that uh, you would want to be here today uh, know about this. We'll, we'll send out a note to the congregation uh, and make them aware of this um, as well. <coughs> Would you permit me to pray for us right now? And then, brother, maybe you could help us into the act of, of holy communion. Sure. All right? Let, yes.
Dave, that's a, that's a beautiful idea. In fact, I'm going to have Eric go stand right in the middle, <laughs> and let's, let's cluster around him, okay? And if you're cl- close enough to w- be able to put a, a hand on Eric's shoulder or his head, uh, go ahead and do that. And if you can't reach him, put your hand on the, hand, on the shoulder of somebody in front of you. Our gracious God, may these hands that rest upon our pastor, brother, and friend be for him a physical, tangible touch of your blessing. We praise you, God, for the way that you have made this man's heart and for the way that you have moved through that heart into our lives. We thank you, Lord God, for um, just the remarkable giftedness that we have seen in him, for all that he has done to build up your church, to pastor people, to, to stand with us in times of uncertainty and pain and loss, to rejoice with us when we were joyful. And we dare to pray, Lord God, that, that, that this next season of, of his life, he would see fruit born more abundantly than he could even dare to ask or imagine according to your power at work within him. And we also dare, Lord, to pray for us that you, God, will do wonderful, amazing, surprising, glorifying things in the days to come through this body that is your church. So thank you that you have gifted us too, that you've called us too into communion with you, into the service of your kingdom, and personally provided us with the capacities to to fulfill your good intentions in our time. May the life of Christ Church Butterfield go from strength to strength in days to come. Bring to us, Lord God, the, the, that, that future leader that you already see as being most capable of helping to aid and support that good work. Now, open us afresh, we pray, to the power of your grace that was poured out upon the cross for our sakes as we come to the table together. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.